love that. We love the presence of the Lord, don't we, here? So grateful. Lord, we're so grateful for you. So grateful for your presence, Lord, your spirit. But we're also so grateful for your word. Oh, and thank you, Lord. Your word and your spirit together are a bomb. (laughs) They are explosive. They change our lives. They change our scenery. They change us from the inside out, Lord, and I pray you do that today. Thank you that you are here, God with us. Not over there and not over there, not far from us. Thank you, you're God with us, and you're here, present among us, Lord. And we invite you. Why don't you just, you know, just do this personally. Just invite him to speak to you personally today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm hungry for your word. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm so grateful for both, Lord. And thank you, you lead us. You lead us through your word. And we invite you today, I invite you, Lord, to lead me, to challenge me and lead me forwards in what you have for me, for your glory, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, okay. I, you know, we're two weeks in just over. In case you didn't realize, I worked it out. I think it's, what date is it today? 16th. 16th. Oh, well done, PA. 16th. It is of January, just over two weeks into the start of a new year. And I hope you've had a good start to the new year. I personally love a new start. I was remembering, I used to love September. I used to love the start of a new term at school. Um, Just the whole new thing, new books, new shoes, not every year, but occasionally a new blazer, uh, which was always a size too big because you'd grow into it, right? And uh, that always took a long time for me. But anyway, I just love that whole new thing, new, new, new beginning, really, the opportunity to do things different and not fall into the same bad habits as last year. And now, you know, as a follower of Jesus, I realize it's not just my willpower and grit determination not to fall at the same hurdles, but it's through faith in him. Praise God he's in us. He gives us his ability, really, to to not fail over the same things as last year, but to go again in the power of his spirit. And he knows how we're made. He knows actually we need new beginnings, Put your hand up if you love a new beginning. I mean, I'd be surprised anybody here who didn't. Um, I've been reading Genesis, and after the Lord made the heavens and the earth, he created light. You'll know that one, all of you here. He said, let there be light. And actually, he divided light from darkness. And there was right then, on the first day, uh, the difference between day and night. He knew we couldn't cope with a permanent night, neither could we cope with a permanent day. If I think of a permanent day, it's just horrific. (laughs) Take me now. I'm very thankful when the day comes to an end. Um, You know, and he knew we'd need time broken into segments. We'd need to be able to kind of draw a line under the failures of yesterday and start again. Our God's a merciful God. I'm so grateful for the mercy of God. And we're going to look at Lamentations. I know this is an unusual place to start, but Lamentations 3. uh, And verse 22, it says, 
Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. Next verse. They're new every morning. Think of it. New every morning, great is his faithfulness. And I'll speak for myself, but I think I can speak for all of us when I say, I don't think any one of us value the mercy of God enough. <laughs> As I'm kind of uh, reading the, the Old Testament more, I'm finding out more about the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, actually, and a lot of it is quite hair-raising. And I realize, my gosh, it's only because of the mercies of God we're not all consumed, that this planet doesn't just kind of implode or explode or, you know. Through the mercies of God, we are where we are. His mercy is amazing. Jesus, the gift of Jesus, is amazing. Romans 8, verse 1, I'm so grateful for this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Next verse. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I love to think about Scripture. I think it's good always to stop, to pause, and consider what that verse means for you. The same as you, I used to have a law at work in me, a law of sin and death. In other words, I couldn't help but sin, and that sin would always lead in some form or another to a death, a decay. But praise God, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you, if you're born again, has set you free from that compulsion to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing. We don't have to sin. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But we've still got flesh. You know, you can walk in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. And I, I want you to really kind of, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but I just want to bring a, a visual in the sense that flesh is a downward spiral. We're all journeying through life. You can't stop tomorrow from coming. There will be tomorrow. You know, unless the Lord takes you, which, you know, we're believing long life. He will satisfy us, show us our salvation. But for as long as the Lord has destined that we're here on this planet, you know, we will have a tomorrow and there's always that choice then. Will I walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit? But the flesh is such a downward spiral. I know it and you know it. One bad thing will lead to another. Very often, one negative thought will lead to another. One negative confession or something that you say to somebody else very often there's a steady stream it's like a train one carriage will lead to the next it just all comes out you know one bad action can lead to another but praise God he's put his spirit in us to overcome that 1 Corinthians I think it's 10 13 or it might be 13 10 something like that there's always an escape there's always an escape we don't have to go that way and he's put his spirit in us who yearns jealously to walk with God. Walk with God. That pull and desire actually that is on the inside of all of us if we're born again to walk with God. That's why you've tuned in this morning. That's why you're here this morning. But I want us to look at Proverbs 15, verse 24. With that 
thought in your head, the flesh is a downward spiral. But it says the way of life winds upwards for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. So there's a downward spiral we can get on. Or there's an upward spiral, an upward path that we can walk on. We've got an upward call. Philippians 3.14 says, I press to all the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Every one of us here has an upward call. A pull by the Spirit and the Word of God to look up and to move in the direction God has for us. In every single day, there's an upward and a downward. Any move towards God is an ascent, if you like, and any move away from God, down you go. Um, And I was thinking about the salmon. You know, salmon swim against the flow, don't they? They swim upstream. There's something inbuilt in them that knows I've got to swim against this tide. It's the same for us as believers because the flow of this world is in the opposite direction. And it's a strong flow. It's a strong pressure. Some days stronger than others. But I know myself, when I believe what God says, and when I act on what God says, it gives me that boost, if I can put it like that, that motivation to go his way. And I, I was thinking of Romans 5:17 says that by the abundance of grace and gift of righteousness, we reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So if I believe in the morning, I've got more than enough grace today to swim upstream. I've got more than enough grace today to take the upward path and go the direction he's wanting for me. I've got a gift of righteousness, and so have you. A gift of righteousness. I'm right with God. He sees me as upright because of Jesus. I've got a gift of righteousness to do things right today, to say things right, to not fall in to the trap of the enemy and the pull of my flesh. Praise God. Our key verse Psalm 84 and verse 5. Just going to take a drink, bear with me. Blessed. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Everyone say set. Right. We all know what set means. Set, well, there can be lots of meanings, but I want to take the meaning that I believe this scripture is referring to something that was movable becoming solid, you know. Concrete sets. My nan's hair used to get set. <laughs> Thinking about that. She used to go every week to the hairdressers and get it set in rollers. Amazing. She just liked that look. Everything pristine, not a hair out of place, lacquered to within an inch of its life. Lacquered, that's <laughs> hair lacquered, sprayed and set. It did not move. In a force 10 gale, that thing was set. I once made a, a creme brulee. Oh, no, what was it? Panna cotta. It would never set. I had it in the fridge for hours. All day, it would not set. I tipped it. It came out. It shouldn't do that. It shouldn't move from its position. And if our hearts are set on pilgrimage, they should not move from their position. The decision is made. I will not move off it. I will not change direction. I am set. Set on course to follow him. But 
Praise God, he's the setting agent. I love that. You know, it's not this grit determination. I think determination is a good thing. The decision does have to be made. But he gives us the ability to do what we want to do. He is the setting agent. Just this regular contact with him enables us to set and stay set on course, on pilgrimage. You know, he kind of puts the resolve in us. Well, not kind of, he actually does. He puts the resolve in you and in me to keep taking one step after another on course, going his way. And a boldness, you know. He gives us boldness. When, look, there's so many things come against us. Uh, You know, people will ask you to do this, that, the other on Saturday night. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't go out or do stuff on a Saturday night. But what I will say is, there are times when we shouldn't. Don't get so tired out that you roll over and don't bother with church on a Sunday morning. We've got to be bold to say, do you know what? Yeah, I'll be there, but I'm going to be leaving a bit earlier. Because, you know, I want to be on my, my, my A game in the morning. I go to church. I don't want to be falling asleep. It's a different way. It's a different thought. And they might frown or they might say, oh, yes, yeah, okay. But inside be thinking, well, that's odd. Let them think. Let them tick over with that. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set. He's the strength. He gives us his strength to go his way. And if you think, I don't know how many millions, maybe there are billions now of born-again believers in the world, many of us, and counting, and there needs to be before Jesus comes back. Um, But every day, all the millions slash billions of believers in the world have a choice to find their strength in God or find their strength in themselves. Or in other words, trust God or trust me. Trust what he says or trust what I say. And of course he wants us to use our talents and our abilities that he's given us, and we have countless choices to make in a day, don't we? But he doesn't want us to run our own lives ignoring him until we hit a crisis or a problem that we can't solve. You know as well as I do, self-dependence is exhausting. Anybody found that out? Come on, if you're honest. Mentally exhausting, emotionally exhausting, physically even exhausting and confusing. You know, you don't know which way's what. I don't know if I'm Arthur or Martha. Do you know what I mean? Is it this? Is it that? It's just so tiring. I can't work it out. Heartache, headaches. It's just tiring. And it's not meant to be that way. That's not God's plan for any one of his children. He wants us to find our strength in him, get our direction from him, trust what he says, and follow it. There's a brilliant contrast in Jeremiah between the person who trusts in themselves and the person who trusts in God. Jeremiah 17, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man or woman and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. That is a pretty dismal picture. You know, a dried up, withered life. Who wants that? We would never choose that. Next verse, but blessed is the man 
who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. We get the direct opposite now. For he will be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear when he comes, because let's face it, he comes. In all manner of ways, your finances, your health, your relationships, work, he comes. We'll not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green. And we'll not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Which one are you? And which one will you be in the future? The one who trusts themselves or the one who trusts God? It's a good question. Who will we trust with our one and only life? We get one shot at this life on earth. Who will we trust? And there is constant temptation from the enemy to trust everything else or anything else but God himself, isn't there? Trust what you read online. Trust the information you find out. Trust what other people say. Trust what you say, your own thoughts or your own experiences. If your own thoughts and experiences disagree with what God says, we need to root them out. Because actually, over time, if, if our negative thoughts and even positive thoughts, in a sense, in the world's way of looking at it, that's a right and good way of thinking. But if it disagrees with God, it is a negative And it will end nowhere good. But if these thoughts get rooted in us, the Bible calls them a stronghold. And in battle, in the Old Testament, when there was battle between two armies, the armies would all, each army would want to secure the stronghold, okay? The stronghold, it was normally a cave high up. It was an advantageous position from which they could attack the other army. Now, any lie that gets rooted in us, we hear it enough times so that we start to believe it. The Bible says it becomes like a stronghold. It's an advantageous position that the enemy's gained from which he attacks us. He attacks our life. He attacks our confidence. He attacks our faith. He attacks our right way of believing and seeing life everything good that god gives he tries to pull down he's a thief take and um and so that stronghold only the word can expose it because we all think we think right until we start to read the word and then we realize well hang on a minute actually i've been thinking altogether wrong i need to correct to thinking like this and it actually says we're going to turn to 2 corinthians 10 um verses 3 to 5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We can't help ourselves with human mechanisms, if you like, human strategies, positive thinking. Or um, if we could pull the scripture back, thank you. You know, all these kind of techniques that people use to try and help themselves feel better. Eat more cake, (laughs) eat less cake, go for a run. You know, I've heard about this open water swimming. It apparently does wonders for your anxiety uh, and helps you feel better. Now, I'm not knocking that. Maybe it does. But we don't have to use carnal things because we've got a weapon in God that does a really effective, long-lasting job of helping us out. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If my thoughts are in agreement with God, in obedience to Christ, peace is reigning. Honestly, and you will know that yourself as well. When Jesus' thoughts are reigning in your head, peace is reigning. You experience that calmness, that sense of well-being. Well, no matter what, Jesus said, peace reigns. It's comforting. Uh, It's peacemaking and it's peacekeeping. But there's this constant barrage and temptation to trust other things. Anything other than what God says. Money is a popular choice. There's always that voice, you know, in our heads. Well, if you had more money, everything would be better. You know, if you had more money, you'd be happier. You'd feel safer. You'd feel, you know, you'd be more set up and secure for the future. And so people chase it. They spend their whole lives chasing money to own things, to do things, to achieve things. But money can never give us the contentment and the soul prosperity that only God himself can give. Because that's the way we're designed. (laughs) You're not human because you have a body and a soul. My dog has a body and a soul. You're human because you have a spirit. And external things can never reach that place. You know? Years ago, people used to say, you've got a God-shaped hole. And in a sense, I think it, it, it is true. Because every human being has a human spirit. And until God comes on the inside, you can't, you can't have that peace and that well-being that only he can give. And as a believer, with God on the inside, we're not meant to look out to external things to meet an internal need. But our God, finding our strength in God. Um, I'm not suggesting, look, I love things. I do. I I love shopping. I love it when I've got a delivery coming. I'll be honest. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be a delivery for my dog. Uh, You know, I'm like, oh, quite excited. I know it's a bit odd. But anyway, I do like that. I'm not suggesting we live like monks But I am saying we shouldn't live for things. We certainly shouldn't live for the things that money buys and live for money. Don't seek it first. Deuteronomy 5, 7. Have no other gods before me. Not one. Have no other gods before me. I read this and I wrote it down because I wanted to read it to you. I thought it was a really good comment. People spend their entire lives trying, trying to climb the ladder of success only to learn when they reach the top, the ladder's leaning against the wrong building. Isn't that good? (laughs) I don't think anyone on their deathbed wants to find out what's in their bank balance. (laughs) They want to be with their family and their friends and hopefully God himself. Back to our key scripture, Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on following, on pilgrimage. And we need to set our hearts daily, don't we? To set your heart in January will not mean your heart will be set in June. And quite frankly, to set 
your heart on a Sunday will not mean by the following Sunday it is still set. Because salmon going up the stream, there's constant pressure to go the other way. You know, we have to be intentional to live for Jesus one day at a time. Set it one day at a time. If that salmon stopped swimming for one day, what would happen? He slide right back. Or backslide, as the Bible calls it. Proverbs 14, 14. The backslidden in heart, because it's always an issue of the heart. The backslidden in heart are full of their own ways. You know what's going in your heart because you just have to look at your life and listen to what's coming out of your mouth. The backslidden heart is full of their own ways. And we're often not even aware of it. But it is a dangerous condition. And the history of God's people tells some sobering stories that we are wise to learn from. Whenever God's people departed from him, were faithless, as the Bible calls it, they fell into captivity. They always fell into the hands of the enemy. It's the same today. If we're backslidden in heart, don't think you're kind of marching to your own tune, free and easy, everything going well. It may be temporarily, but it will not. Long term, no way, because sin always goes badly. It always ends in death. But, but worse than that, well, worse than that, we play into the hands of the enemy. People think they're free, they're not. Any choice to serve self is playing into the hands of the enemy. You just, you're like a puppet on a string. Anyway, I've got good news this morning, praise God. God is at work in us. Few and praise God. He's at work in us. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order for, to fulfill his good pleasure. Two things go on. God's at work in us. He puts the want to in us and he also gives us the ability to act according to his good purpose. I love to think of that. I love to think, well, you know, it might be tough going at the moment or it might be tough going today, but God's at work. God's in me and God's at work in me and God's at work in you. And when we're tempted, Jesus called the enemy the tempter in Matthew 4. You know, he has so many names that describe his activities. He's a thief, he's a deceiver, he's an accuser, but he's also a tempter. And when he tempts us to react wrong or to choose wrong, vent all our feelings, for example, at that point God's at work in you to choose his will. You will feel that prick of conscience. Don't do it. Don't say it. Don't do it. Don't say it. Often it's not a strong thing. It's just a kind of the still small voice or that kind of little kind of nudge. Don't do it. Don't go that way. Don't buy that item. Don't choose that thing, that person. Put down your weapon. <laughs> At ease, soldier. This battle belongs to the Lord. Matthew 6, 6. Go into your room, pray to your father. Lord, give me direction for this because this is tough. This situation's tough. This person's tough. Give me wisdom to know what to do. And there's grace for the humble. Grace is the enabling power of God. Something extra 
something extra that you didn't have before to do your job, to raise your kids, to make the right choices, swim upstream, live for Jesus, honoring him, something extra that you didn't have before. Psalm 84 finishes, verse 11. He gives grace and glory. Strength of God, the ability of God, and no good thing will he withhold from him whose walk is upright. I have made this great decision to read the Bible in one year. I've done it before, as in made the decision, and not managed, I'll be honest. I abandoned it because I got so far behind, I thought, how will I ever catch up? I just kind of gave in. But I picked up, um, I've had it on my bookshelf for years, a Charles Sibthorpe Bible reading plan. And, um, And he says... Basically, if you miss a day, don't try and catch up. Just start it today and go again. And I thought, you know, that's a really good life lesson, that. You know, if we fail, or if you fail, don't give up. (laughs) Forget what's behind. Just start today. Get your feet pointing in the right direction and live for Jesus again. Anyway, I've been reading Genesis, and Genesis is amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, I understand so much just by reading what happened in the beginning. Anyway, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 6, a couple of verses before the flood. Oh, I found this heart-wrenching when I read this. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Next verse. And the Lord was sorry that he'd made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart. Think of it. However, verse 8, there was a man called Noah and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Whatever your name is, you've found grace in the eyes of the Lord because you've accepted In my own self, I can't live this life. I will never be good enough to reach you, God, but Jesus. I accept Jesus as the way. Today and every day, the way to the Father. Found grace. And why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? It tells us in verse 9, the end of verse 9. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah set his heart on pilgrimage. Everyone around him was wicked continually. Ongoing. But God was God to Noah. God was God to Noah. Noah feared God. And therefore he did what God said. So when God said to Noah, build an ark, I'm sure that would have sounded stupid to Noah. And I'm sure he felt pretty stupid doing it. I'm sure other people told him how stupid he was to build that ark. But God was God to Noah. And so what God said was not an option. What God said was the only option. Now, I've been kind of thinking about this for a few weeks now. How so often our motivation for obedience is blessing. I'll be honest, at times it is mine. And it's true. If I obey God, he'll bless me. It's biblical. He said it. 
blessing follows obedience. But I've been, these, these are my thoughts anyway. It's not the best motive. <laughs> it's not actually best, the best motive for obeying God. We should obey God simply because he's God. He said it. He's asking this of me. And because he's God, I'll do it. And because he's good, he blesses us. Because <laughs> that's his nature. I want to tell you about my dog, Wedge. Um, his obedience is intermittent <laughs> at best. <laughs> um, and, you know, if I let him out and he starts barking, I can't stand it, let alone the neighbors, you know, and it's like, come on in. He just looks at me. And sometimes you can see the dilemma in his head. She's calling me, but I want to bark at that pigeon. You know, or I want to see that squirrel off. And you, you literally see him like, shall I, shan't I? But I've learned, if I have a little treat in my hand at the back door, there's much of a, a stronger pull on him to come. He won't always do it, let me tell you, even for a treat. He's just, that's it, I couldn't care less. This is too exciting over here. But sometimes if there's a treat, he's far more likely to come on in. And I will say, I think it's true for all of us. For blessing, we'll do stuff. But surely, quite simply, because God is God, we should. Times when Reg obeys me, m mostly I realize it's not because I'm the boss, it's because I've got a wagtastic in my hand, you know? Um, but God's so good. He is so generous. He's so kind. You know, it's always more than enough with him. He's extravagant in the ways he wants to bless his kids. Abraham had so much stuff, so many possessions. It says he was rich in livestock, silver and gold. The place where he lived couldn't even support him anymore. He had to separate from his nephew. It's like, we just got so much stuff, we can't even live together. Well, you're going to have to go that way, I'll go this way. You know, Solomon was so rich, people traveled to see his wisdom and his wealth that God had given. The disciples in the boat, you know, when they threw their nets over the other side... They couldn't contain the cash, catch. Fish meant money. They were wealthy because of Jesus. It's not that he ever wants to withhold blessing. But surely as his children, like Noah, we should be like, well, God, you're God. I'll do it anyway. You know, Pastor Judith many times has said, if he never did another thing for me, I'd still serve him. I'd still follow him because God's God. And because he's so good, he blesses me. You know, it's just, he's got father heart. Just like you want to see your kids blessed. And we want to see one another blessed. God's heart is so much greater. Joshua 24, uh, verse 13. Joshua says to the people, I've given you land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat the, of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day. Because you know, every day we have to make this choice. It's a daily thing. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me, I will serve the Lord. God's people throughout history have always lived, dwelt among people who serve foreign gods. Same for us today. Our non-Christian neighbors, work colleagues, family, even friends, hopefully not your close friends. They have different ways of thinking to us. They make different choices. They have different responses. At least they should be different to ours. We should have a different way of life, a different way of doing things. We should stand out and leave them kind of scratching their heads thinking, well, that was weird. You know, salt of the earth, light of the world. To be a Christian is not just a set of beliefs. That's really what I kind of want to get to. It's a walk. It's a way of life. I've nearly finished, but Psalm 86, verses 8 to 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. That's my prayer for this year, for me and for you. Lord, teach me your way. I'll walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. We've got to know the will of God before we can walk in it. Isn't that right? You've got to know what he's telling you to do before you can actually do it. But let's be honest, all of us in this room and all of us watching online this morning, we know a lot about what God wants. We know a lot about his will and we know a lot about his way. But often, we still don't do it. And the answer is the end of that Psalm 86 verse 11 Unite my heart to fear your name. Like Noah, let God be God to me. Let God be God to you. You know, not divided, divided hearts, weakened because of all our other loves. An undivided heart that's set on following him. PJ used a word that actually the Lord gave to her twice one night. She worked with it. Twice one night. The words recalibrate. Recalibrate. It means to reset. Because we have a tendency to drift. You and I have a tendency to just stray like a sheep, of course. And like a navigation system, we've got to put the right coordinates back in. So that we end up at the right destination. And it may only be a slight adjustment. You, you know, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, well, with all my heart and intention and will, I am walking with God. But, you know, I just, you know, I say, I pray, Lord, you know, like uh, in Psalms, test my heart. Is there anything in me that's not right? Any wicked way, any not straight way, any hidden way that I'm not even aware of? It may only be a slight adjustment, but who knows, if we don't make a slight adjustment now, over time and distance, we go way off, way off course. And the Lord is wanting to save us from that. Key scripture, uh, Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed, in fact, let's say it together. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So it's got to be this daily setting because we live in a world that is flowing in the opposite direction. But if you set your heart, it helps your feet. That's what I find. If I set my heart, it helps me walk straight in the right direction. You know, 
it's a prayer and it's a bit of scripture. For example, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 13. If you read in the morning or in, your, in the evening, whenever it is that you have time with the Lord, because we all need to set time aside for him, even if it's not a huge amount of time, just in your day, this is my allotted time, because I need his voice. Anyway, say, for example, you read, Love Keeps No Record of Wrong, and you read that in the morning, right? In the afternoon, let's say, Somebody cuts right across you and does something downright rude or offensive because <laughs> it happens. But you've read Love Keeps No Record of Wrong. So instead of logging that <laughs> and being offended by that and dwelling on that, rehearsing in your head what you will say to that person or what you could say to that person, what you'd like to say to that person, no, you forgive because love keeps no record of wrong. Over. Forgiven. As if it never happened. Same way the Lord treats us. Right? So it's that word in the morning in you, set in your heart, that's helping your feet live it out, walk it out. This injection, I was thinking of an injection of the word. This injection of the word every day is an antidote. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's a preventative medicine. I'm hiding it in, because I know your word's going to get to work on me, in my heart, in my head, that's going to help me walk the way I want to walk, you know. So, for example, you read Matthew 6, don't worry about your life. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. Once that's in... That becomes the answer then for this, that, and the other throughout the day. That dilemma, that debate in your head, what do I do, what do I do? Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus first. Do it his way. Holy Spirit brings it back to you. You know, if the word's in, you're giving him something to work with. He brings it back to you. That's your answer. Two weeks ago, I think it's two weeks ago, it was on a Wednesday, we, PJ and I were praying before an encounter meeting. And I had a memory of an old film. Anybody remember the Indiana Jones films? Right? 1980s that was. I couldn't believe it. I asked PJ to look it up on Wikipedia. 1981, this film. I had a memory of it. Do you remember seeing Indiana Jones being... This great big boulder rolling towards him. It was, the name of the film, actually, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. I never even thought about that at the time. But they, he was an archaeologist, fiction, obviously, but Indiana Jones was an archaeologist looking for the lost ark of the covenant. Presence of God. The ark of the covenant. But every single form of opposition came against him. There was this rolling boulder. There was a pit of snakes. There was a sword-wielding henchman, you know, and all these things coming against him. But he would dodge them and kind of avoid them and just push forward because he was so intent on finding the Ark of the Covenant. And quite frankly, that's exactly how it is for you and me. There are so many things that come against us to try and stop us following God. You know... Tiredness, I mean, that's kind of a given. You always feel unusually tired before a church meeting. 
Um, you know, how does it all kick off on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever it is you've got something planned that's Jesus inspired and going to help you walk with Jesus? You know, accidents happen. Pressure with kids, work pressure suddenly piles on. Um, you lose things. You lose your keys. You lose your phone. It's like it's all kicking off. But we have got to get Indiana Jones about this. I'm just dodging that, and I'm just dodging that. PJ and Sam, Halloween time. The reason I'm using that, because it was um, end of October of last year. They walked into a shop in Wellington. I found this amazing. And on a blackboard, it had been written, Not today, Satan. Come on. Well, not any day, Satan. You throw what you want. I'm Indiana Jones today and I will be tomorrow. I am dodging this, that and the other. I'm set. My heart's set. I will be in church. I'm watching online. I'm walking this out. Because by the grace of God, he's given me an undivided heart that fears him. And we'll walk this life out in very real step-by-step ways. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to finish with Psalm 84 and verse 5, this key scripture that the Lord's really given us a watchword. This is a watchword for you and I this year. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We're just going to respond to the Lord now. Um, I just want to encourage you to make this a prayer, a prayer of commitment and Really, it's going to be very likely a prayer of recommitment. But, Lord, I want to find my strength in you. I want to be a person who looks to you, who looks to your strength. I want to trust you, not myself. I don't want to trust what everybody else says and what I read about online. All these other pressures and temptations of the enemy to get me looking in a different direction for strength and wisdom I want to look to you, Lord, and find my strength in you. Just pray. Make it your own prayer, because that's what's important. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.